1: Hello and welcome to episode 119 of the UK True Crime Weekly Podcast. I'm Adam. I've been a bit unwell recently, so the voice is a touch husky this week. Today's story features, amongst other things, the power of online relationships and very, very dark, almost unbelievable fantasies becoming reality. But firstly, a warning to you that in today's disturbing case from the southwest of England, there are children involved. So do please be aware of this content. Before we begin, a huge thank you to all my supporters on Patreon, but especially this week's bumper batch of new supporters. That's Rob McDonnell, Olivia Bentley, Matt Clements, Helga Dowling, Carol Wood, Rebecca Stratton, Christine Matthews, Gavin King, Kathy Fiddler-Davidson, Zoe and Kai Michael Popper. I do so appreciate your support. Thank you so much and enjoy the 25 bonus episodes and other exclusive content. Let's quickly set some context for today's story to see what music we were listening to in September 2006. Another favourite artist of the show, The Trouser Snake, topped the UK charts with Sexy Back, holding off Hips Don't Lie by Shakira, featuring Wycliffe Jean. In the US, Fergie was top of the pile with London Bridge, And in the Australian album charts, top album this year was James Blunt with Back to Bedlam. Okay, so I'm not so keen on the music, but I like the guy, especially on Twitter, where his put downs to criticism are sublime. Maybe if I ever get a negative review for this podcast, I can aspire to that level of response. (laughs) I know, I know. As if I'd (laughs) go, as if I'd ever be given a negative review. What a ridiculous thought. In the news this month, New Moon, the second book in Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga, was published for young adults and, of course, those adults who like children's stories. Sasha Baron Cohen's film, Borat, premiered at the Toronto Film Festival. I found it funny. Did you? Protesters rioted at the building of the Hungarian TV in Budapest, Hungary, one day after an audio tape was made public, in which the Prime Minister admitted that he and his party Lied during the 2006 general elections. Politicians lying? Gosh, how outrageous. It must just be a Hungarian thing, huh? This was the month that television presenter Richard Hammond suffered a serious brain injury when he crashed a jet-powered car whilst filming for Top Gear and a Royal Air Force Nimrod crashed in Afghanistan. 14 personnel were killed in Britain's worst single military loss since the Falklands War. It was the 5th of June 2009 when IT consultant No Man Ahmed went to his office in Trafford Park, Greater Manchester to check his emails. His business partner Colin Blanchard was away in Dubai on business, but seeing that Colin had left his Gmail account open, Norman had a quick look to see what he was up to. He didn't quite trust his partner and he half expected to see details of private business deals but he was astonished to see pictures of a number of children being sexually abused, plus disturbing images of a naked and sexually aroused Blanchard. A shock no man immediately dialed 999 in a daze. The day afterwards, his business partner, the shaven-headed, middle-aged Colin Blanchard, entered the arrivals hall at Manchester Airport. He walked with a swagger, but this was abruptly halted when detectives intercepted him and escorted him to nearby Altrincham Police Station, where his iPhone and laptop were taken for examination. Andrew Edwards, an IT technician at the Greater Manchester Police's High Tech Crime Unit, which was based in a small room at the headquarters known as The Cave, got a call on Saturday morning. Operation Morley would be his first major assignment. Blanchard had just been arrested, and Andrew's objective was clear to find whatever he could on any of the devices owned by Blanchard. He headed for Blanchard's home in the suburbs of Manchester. A black Volvo remained parked on the driveway, but there was nobody in, as Blanchard's wife Anne, when told of what was happening for her husband, she collapsed, and she was being cared for elsewhere, along with their young daughter. Inside the house was Immaculate, and working with detectives, Andrew Edwards listed the items recovered a Nintendo gaming machine, a Sony PSP, an Acer laptop, two pen drives, a Hewlett-Packard laptop, two external hard drives, three memory cards, an Apple computer, a Netgear disk drive, and a Nokia N70 mobile phone. Then there was the iPhone seized that morning at the airport. It was so new that Andrew Edwards did not immediately know how to crack it. But over the next few hours, he set to work using C4P a digital tool devised by the Canadian police that sought out and collected images stored on any computer, even reassembling those that had been overwritten and broken up. Luckily, and surprisingly, Blanchard used no passwords or encryption, so this made his job significantly easier. This initial work left detectives with 20 images of child abuse to study, all of which Blanchard had received from unknown sources. They were images of young children naked babies and toddlers, the oldest no more than 18 months. One of the officers involved with the case, D.C. Pilling, said They were unusual for being so young, and there was a woman's torso and hand featured in some of them. Worried that there was active abuse ongoing that needed to be stopped as soon as possible, he pored over the images looking for clues, later saying We could see from the electrical sockets that this was somewhere in Britain. The windows made it look like a church hall. There was lino on the floor. All were taken in the same room and on the same changing mat. It looked like the material was coming from a creche, a social club or a children's centre. We had to find it, locate the woman and shut it down. Racing against time, detectives plunged into Blanchard's history looking for clues. It was clear that he was in significant debt with his house about to be possessed. Was this significant? And he'd been arrested just a few years before in 2002 when obscene images had been found on his computer. In mitigation, he had told how an uncle had abused him and other members of his family. This line of defence had been accepted and he evaded jail, being placed on the sex offenders register for five years, but this now had expired. When interviewed, Blanchard came across as likeable and bright, if a little arrogant. He spoke relatively openly and quickly admitted possessing the images, but told detectives that he was absolutely repulsed by child abuse. He said that the images were only on his machine, as a manipulative woman had met him on a Facebook dating app, and when he started telling her the story of his own abuse, she had responded by sending him what he termed filth. Blanchard happily told detectives the woman lived in Plymouth, was married with children, and known to him as V. George. The detectives went back to the images, and noted the woman's torso in one of them, and an emblem on the t-shirt she wore. It was some sort of animal, maybe a bear. One of the officers, D.S. Willis, recalled what happened next, with specialist officers from a covert unit involved. They focused on the social networking sites that Blanchard frequented. This unit could deal with such matters without trace, and with the appropriate authority in place. We received a call from one of the covert officers. They would found a V. George on Facebook and Bebo, and there was a friend of George's on Bebo, who had the same t-shirt with a name written on it, Little Ted's. A message had been left too. Great picture, Vanessa. Detectives searched for Vanessa George on the Plymouth electoral roll, and found a woman by that name, living in effort. By 4pm, Police had found the Plymouth house where 39-year-old Vanessa George lived and located Little Ted's Nursery nearby. Plymouth is a port city in Devon, south-west England, with a population approaching 250,000. It's known for its maritime heritage, and historic Barbican district with narrow cobbled streets. And Little Ted's Nursery was a privately run community nursery based in Plymouth. One person who worked there was Laura. One of the other mums at her children's school, Vanessa George, was a friend of hers. Laura liked the fact that Vanessa was full of life and energy and always seemed to be laughing. She was lots of fun to be around. Their friendship grew when Vanessa joined the team at Little Ted's on the 7th of September 2006. And over the next 18 months or so, they spent time at each other's homes as well as at work. During these times, Laura happily welcomed Vanessa into her home With her children, and never doubted for a moment that she could trust her. Laura said, I don't drive and Vanessa does, so when my daughter was younger, she would pick her up and take her to Brownies. But there were issues that made Laura feel uncomfortable, especially around Vanessa's open attitude to sex, and to Laura, that sometimes felt quite inappropriate. Laura added, I noticed that she was quite inappropriate with my sons who are 27 and 17. She would act flirtatiously and suggestively. She once tried to show my 17-year-old naked pictures of herself on her phone and I got really angry with her. And although married with her own children, Vanessa confided to Laura about being unfaithful to her husband and there were two men in Plymouth she would go and meet up with for sex, a one-night stand and another who Vanessa had a regular arrangement with. As is often the case with infidelity, The lies are necessary to cover tracks and Laura soon realised that she was becoming the excuse when Vanessa was out meeting men with Vanessa telling her husband that she was spending the night at Laura's house. Vanessa also confided that she was actively looking for sex with men on the internet and when Vanessa met a man called Colin Blanchard in late December she told Laura about him within days of their first contact. Laura recalled Vanessa said she loved Colin but I think it was more like an obsession. She would giggle like a teenager in love as she texted him, but I thought it was all pretty innocent. On Saturday the 7th of June, Vanessa called Laura to ask if she could cover for her if her husband Andrew phoned while she met up with a man for sex. Laura said, I was really annoyed, but I agreed to do it. She was my friend and she was feeling low. She came to my house later that day for about an hour, and that was the last time I saw her. It was later that week that Laura, along with other workers at Little Ted's nursery, were called by their boss, informing them not to go to work. Laura said, I'd no idea what was going on, so I phoned Vanessa. She didn't answer, so I left her a message. But she didn't reply, so I texted her. But nothing. I panicked, thinking something had happened to her. She was always contactable. My first thought was that Andrew had found out about the other men and got angry with her, maybe hurt her but it was even worse. She found out the terrible truth. My boss told me the police had sent a letter detailing that someone who worked at the nursery was taking indecent images of children. It was Vanessa. Then we were all called to the police station and I broke down when they told us the news. Staff, parents and the local community were horrified as the details emerged how Vanessa George had sexually assaulted the young children in her care recording the abuse on her mobile phone. Some of the assaults were carried out using the toys in the nursery, but she'd also smuggled in a sex toy for at least one attack. Parents were of course distraught that this had happened and openly asked how someone could have got away with this behaviour at the nursery and also whether it was their children who had suffered abuse. At one stage police were concerned that more than 300 children may have been attacked. This was narrowed down to 30 by police and George admitted making 124 images of children between December and June. She targeted younger children, possibly because she knew they would not be able to tell what she had done. Their faces were not shown, which made identification incredibly difficult and many parents would never be totally sure if their children had been a victim. Vanessa George was 39 when she was arrested. The only child was shipbuilder father Roger and mum Sylvia. She was seven when her father left the family home. There was another huge blow when her mum tragically died of breast cancer when she was just 15. Although she didn't shine academically, she did okay. And following a stint working as a secretary, George moved from regular babysitting shifts to a career in childcare in 1998. She completed an NVQ level 2 in childcare and passed a criminal records bureau police check to allow her to work with younger children and she had spent six years as a classroom assistant at a local school before joining Little Ted's. She married engineer Andrew and the couple had two daughters who were 14 and 15 on the day the police called at her home to arrest her. Like all couples, yep, even that one on Facebook, you know, who lives the perfect life. They had their ups and downs that seemed to live a quiet and straightforward life in a three-bedroom semi in a quiet suburb of Plymouth. Little Ted's was convenient, as it was just a few minutes from her home, and when she took the job there, it was a very popular appointment. Friendly and outgoing, the parents loved her almost as much as the children, but as Vanessa George became increasingly frustrated and disillusioned with her marriage, her time on the internet began to play a major role in her life. At first it was about widening her friendship circle through sites such as Friends Reunited and she enjoyed getting back in touch with old friends and making new ones. She even signed up to a Facebook campaign group against child abuse but she soon realised that the internet was a good way to find men to alleviate her boredom and she relished the excitement this brought to her mundane life. She'd previously cheated on her husband with his best friend and from late 2008 her focus was all about finding men. And it was around this time that colleagues at Little Ted's noticed a significant shift in her behaviour, with one saying that, from then on, she always seems to be on the internet and chasing men. Like we've heard with her friend Laura, she had no qualms in sharing her exploits. Two examples are when staff heard that George had offered a man sex within her car MOT, and that she'd also had sex under nearby moors for money. She began to show images of adult pornography that were stored on her phone to other members of staff. Some found it funny and were intrigued by her exploits. Others were embarrassed, some were concerned, but they did not take action. After all, what harm was she doing? A later serious case review, ah, how we love those reviews on this podcast, said the following. Her position of power within the staff group was such that although staff became increasingly concerned about her crude language, discussion of extramarital relationships and showing indecent images of adults on her phone, they felt they were unable to challenge her. So what happened online to cause Vanessa George to sexually abuse children in her care? It all started with meeting Colin Blanchard. Married for 16 years, on the surface he appeared to have a very comfortable life, living in a large detached house, overlooking open fields, in the north-west of England, near Rochdale. Close to some very good saunas, I understand. His image was important to him, and he even had palm trees craned into the garden and hired Aston Martin on the drive to impress his neighbours. This boasting was a feature of his life, and he was very quick to talk about a non-existent private jet, which he claimed he used to transport players from Liverpool Football Club. He also said he made movies, and had millions of pounds stashed away in Dubai, but people weren't convinced, and he was widely known as Billy bullshit by his neighbors. Police later described him as a Walter Mitty character, a Dale boy who had eye-watering debts when he was arrested. He owed eight thousand pounds in electricity bills alone. He met Vanessa George online around the end of two thousand eight, and they quickly developed a close, deeply disturbing relationship in some way and police never quite got to the bottom of how. They realised they shared a fascination with dark sexual fantasies and child abuse. And George's job worryingly meant that she had access to very young children. It was after meeting Blanchard that she began to spend time alone with the children at Little Ted's, sometimes when she changed their nappies. This, it transpired, was when she carried out the attacks, with her back to other staff. George claimed that using the main nappy-changing area, in full view of the staff, Hurt her back. George would send the sickening images of children onto Blanchard. Combined with this, the pair would also swap sexual images of themselves and share dark, graphic fantasies. Their communication steadily grew, and between December 2008 and her arrest in June 2009, there were over 10,000 contacts by phone, text, email, and MSN. George was not the only woman who Blanchard was talking with at this time. In around September 2008, he began an internet relationship with another woman, Angela Allen. Like the other two, she was a parent in her late thirties. The three shared fantasies, encouraging each other to go further and further. Blanchard told both women that he loved them, and they both said they loved him too. And Allen was almost the most graphic of the three. A policeman later described her as a sinister an evil woman. She talked about rape and sex with animals, and after her later inevitable arrest, she showed no emotion for what she had done. The usual pattern of behaviour was for George to send images of children she'd assaulted to Blanchard, who would forward the images on to Alan. But George also communicated directly with Alan. It wasn't Blanchard pulling all the strings, the three of them were equally involved. For example, On the 7th of March 2009, Alan sent Blanchard photographs of her abusing a child. Blanchard then forwarded some of these images to George in Plymouth. She soon responded, sending five images she had taken at Little Ted's directly to Alan on the 19th of May. By the end of that month, with both women vying for Blanchard's attention, Alan asked Blanchard if he wanted to join her in hurting a child, making an infant scream and this abuse was often broadcast live between the trio, captured on webcams set up on their home computers, it was effectively a video conference. The Daily Telegraph newspaper published details of some of the conversations to give an idea of the levels of depravity, which I will share here. The most chilling of these were for them to abduct and murder a child, or for Blanchard to assault an infant so violently that he or she would die. Would you do it for me? George asked Blanchard. A message from George reveals that Blanchard had taken to roaming parks in the hope of seeing mothers with their young children. He also became a regular customer at branches of Starbucks, hoping to catch glimpses of babies being changed. George shared his liking for Starbucks and said of his tendency to go on lone walks, I thought of you today. The parks were full of little ones. But despite this horrendous content, the affection that she feels for him is clear. While he regards her as his, as he called her, pedo-whore mum, she calls him baby boy. But through all this communication, the three never met. Their relationship was all online. In fact, their first meeting was in court at their trials. George had her phone which she kept for this activity and she used to store it in her cleavage at all times as well as the children in her care. Much of the material she shared with Blanchard involved the imagined abuse of her own daughters. I think she'd keep it secret if you did her than I did, George told him in one message. Are you going to do her tonight, Blanchard asked. I might tomorrow, texted George. I want pics of them asleep, Blanchard requested. Get them drugged and take pictures of them asleep. George was non-committal. When I've met you properly, I'll do things like that, okay? Kiss, kiss, kiss. Vanessa George was looking for more than a sex text partner. She wanted sex, love, and romance. Blanchard, he did not. And Alan and George weren't the first women that Blanchard had met online. His methods of trawling for women to provide him with sexual thrills were Facebook or the dating site Plenty of Fish. As you can imagine, Most of the women he contacted quickly stopped the chat when Blanchard moved the conversation towards child abuse. But Blanchard was manipulative and especially by talking about the abuse he'd suffered as a child he managed to entice two other vulnerable women into his web. One was 43-year-old Tracy Dorber who invited him to her home in Merseyside saying I've got something for you. Once there she held the infant she was babysitting on her lap so he could take a series of perverted photographs of her assaulting the five-month-old child. Another was 40-year-old Tracy Lyons, a mum of nine from Portsmouth, who was also a nursery worker and abused a young child sharing the images with Blanchard. Of these women, Dorber was the only one with whom he had a physical relationship, which lasted for about a year. Throughout the investigation, detectives struggled to understand just why Blanchard had been involved in this behaviour. The following transcript from one of his interviews probably explains it better than anything. When they asked him just what he'd been looking for in this virtual world, he responded, someone to just have a laugh and talk to. And detectives asked, so did you enjoy the sexual side of it? To which he responded as follows, part of it, yeah. I'm not going to say that I didn't like it and that. But yeah, it was two adults having fun, you know. There was nothing untoward about it, you know. It was just sort of online friends. I know it sounds a very, very sort of 21st century thing and all, but it was just, you're not there, you're not sitting in front of them. Do you know what I mean? You can switch it off and, you know, standby friends. I suppose you'd call it really. You can put them on standby and six months down the line, you can talk to them again. How you been? Blah, blah, blah. There was no relationship there, if you understand what I mean. You can switch on, do what you want to do, say what you want to say, and just turn off again. With Vanessa George and Colin Blanchard in custody, detectives quickly tracked down Angela Allen. The 39 year old was a single mum who had previously worked as a sex worker and had a conviction for dishonesty. Her house, next to an industrial estate, was devoid of any furniture apart from a computer and next to no food in the cupboards. As the detective had feared, Alan had already tried to erase her hard drive by dragging it into the trash, but IT technician Andrew Edwards easily recovered damning material. In December 2009, following her trial at Bristol Crown Court, Vanessa George was sentenced to seven years in prison. In all, she admitted to a total of seven sexual assaults of young children and six counts of distributing and making indecent pictures of children. In Mitigation, advocate Nicholas Geramadis said George had become caught up in the false hope that Blanchard would rescue her from her marriage. He said that George had lost everything because of her actions. He said she had lost her family. Her daughters are estranged from her and are likely to remain estranged. She has, in reality, no support from anyone, he told the court. An outburst from the public gallery followed his next observation that it would take a long time to rebuild her life. To a further outburst from the public gallery, he announced, for what it is worth, she offers her sincere and unremitting apology to the parents of the children she has hurt. She is genuinely remorseful. In sentencing, Mr Justice Royce said that George's voracious sexual appetite had plumbed new depths of depravity. When Blanchard asked her to take photographs, there should have been a short, robust Anglo-Saxon answer to his request. Instead, he said, George chose a darker path, and make no mistake, it was your choice. He said that George appeared to revel in sick sexual talk about what she did to her victims. Her messages to Blanchard were stomach-churning, he said. He noted how she would take about eight photos a week, adding, This was not one isolated incident committed on the spur of the moment. This was wicked, cold, calculated, repeated offending, which for any decent person defies belief. Mr Justice Royce said the damage George did was extensive, causing the closure of the nursery and 20 staff to lose their jobs. As to her supposed cooperation in naming her victims, He said it was not a mitigating factor, adding It is what anyone with a drop of decency would have done at an early stage, certainly if there was any genuine remorse. A further problem here is that you have led such a double life that no one knows whether they can trust a word you say. Parents have to live with the memory of you coming out of a smile on your face to hand them back their child, when in fact you may have been doing unspeakable things to that child and when you may well have been thinking about sending the disgusting images you had stored on your phone to your partner in this paedophile venture in Manchester. He read from a psychiatric report which stated that George derived emotional gratification in a perverse and destructive way. While he noted a clean record, he also took into account the appalling, repetitive and escalating nature of the offending. Finally, he emphasised how a minimum term of seven years was not the length of George's incarceration. He said, If the parole board is not satisfied it is safe for you to be released, then you will spend the rest of your days in prison. Some may say that will be too harsh. Many, and I suspect everyone so deeply affected by your dreadful deeds, will say that would not be a day too long and is no more than you deserve. In a rare and final response to the judge's words, Vanessa George meekly nodded in agreement. Angela Allen, who sat beside George throughout, was also handed an indeterminate sentence with a minimum of five years after pleading guilty to four child sex assaults and one count of distributing an indecent image. Colin Blanchard admitted taking indecent photographs of children, distribution of an indecent image and sexual assault of a child under the age of 13. He'd previously admitted 19 other sex abuse charges. He was also given an indeterminate sentence, but must serve at least nine years and will not be released until he is no longer considered a risk to the public. And what about the other two women? Tracy Dauber, a former care worker and grandma, was convicted of sexual assault, arrangement or commission of a child's sex offence, and five offences of permitting an indecent image to be taken. She was sent to prison for four years and Tracy Lyons admitted assault of a child by penetration, sexual assault of a child under 13, causing a child under 13 to engage in sexual activity, and three offences of distributing indecent photographs of a child. She was sentenced to seven years in prison. Greville Davis, QC for Blanchard, said his client was a broken man who had been diagnosed by a psychiatrist as suffering from bipolar disorder. He explained that Blanchard had lost contact with his teenage daughter from his first marriage, and his wife and daughter from his second marriage, all because of his crimes. Colin Blanchard stands before your lordship, a broken man, he said. He is a man who is terribly isolated. He's isolated from his family for obvious reasons, and he's isolated in prison. His daughter from his first marriage is estranged from him, and he is estranged from his wife. He found it difficult to deal with her depression after she gave birth. She attempted suicide. But he is at a loss to explain why he behaved the way he did, and is at a loss to explain his disgusting behaviour. Stephen Smith, representing Lyons, said that Blanchard had a Svengali hold over his client, who was a dim woman. He added, she had lost her home, her husband, her friends, her self-respect, and is a pariah. Anne Brown, defending Dorber, said her client had grown dependent on Blanchard after being manipulated by him, and had stepped over the boundary. In summing up, the judge said that Blanchard had encouraged Vanessa George into abuse, which shook little Ted's nursery and those in Plymouth to the roots. He added, Even though, once drawn in by you, they played a full part, if there is a predator in this, it is undoubtedly you. He said that if the parole board is not satisfied who's safe to be released, Blanchard could spend the rest of his life in prison. Adding, There'll be many who would say that is no more than you deserve. Vanessa George's husband, Andrew, was hit hard by his wife's actions. He survived a suicide attempt and struggled to keep work due to his association with his ex. Their eldest daughter, Pearl, told of her horror at discovering her lovely family mum had led such a depraved secret life. Talking to the news of the world alongside her dad, she said she still couldn't make sense of her mum's double life. She said she never spent time in the kitchen because it would have interfered with her texting and now we know why. One minute she's a lovely family mum who loves her daughters and her family and the next minute she's somebody else. I think it's pure evil. I know that I'm definitely not speaking to my mum ever again. She doesn't deserve it. I've decided not to call her mum ever again. I don't feel I know her anymore. Her mind is poison, her smile a plague. Her death would have been easier to deal with because you get over it. But with this, it just hangs over you like a dark cloud for the rest of your life. So there we have it, what do you make of what we've heard today? It's a truly shocking story on so many levels, with so many victims. The families of the abusers who've been hit so hard by what happened, we've just heard from the family of Vanessa George, but as I understand it, Colin Blanchard's wife never fully recovered from her breakdown, and their daughter was brought up in care. And then there were those children abused for the sexual gratification of those we've heard about today, and then the parents, who are still unsure of whether or not their children were the victims of these sickening crimes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Weekly Podcast. If you would like to discuss this story and any other aspect of UK true crime, oh yeah, along with a healthy debate about the merits of a plant-based diet, I'm saying nothing, please head to the Facebook group. And to support the show and listen to the 25 full-length bonus episodes, and other exclusive content, please head to patreon.com slash uk true crime. So that is all for me for today, so until we speak again next week, Cheerio and remember, stay classy.
0: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found.